That's the voice of Nicole Mullen, award-winning songwriter, award-winning singer, bringing us before the throne of grace. If that doesn't mean anything to those of you listening, just be patient with my Christian language because that's exactly what a song like that does. Nicole Mullen is going to be joining us in just a second. We spent some time with her while we were at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and I have to say, no one was more blessed than I by our discussion, so I hope you'll stay tuned. But I want to just pause a minute. We could not do what we do without the work of preborn, and we could not do what we do if it weren't for your generosity. You have been uh, rising to the occasion. We're helping to save the lives of babies uh, who find their mothers find themselves pregnant, and it's not a good time. Nicole actually has a story about that that she's going to tell us. Uh, it's not good, and they're worried, or they can't. They don't think they can handle it or they're in a situation where they're single, or they don't want their parents to know, you know the drill. And so it's a panic time for women. It is. And so uh, many people, many women who don't have a background like some of us who are Christians about the whole notion of the sanctity of life, uh, it's much easier to listen to the world tell you that if you just uh, destroy that baby in your womb, it's not a big deal. You just go on, you can go back to your classes, go back to school, go back to your job, and you won't miss a beat. But we know that the harm that abortion does to women is much more than the physical trauma of ending the life of the child in your womb. And that's why when preborn shows the ultrasound, so many women, most of them actually, decide to keep their babies. That's what they do. It's $28 for one ultrasound, and all you have to do is go to preborn.com slash Sandy, preborn.com slash Sandy, and make your most generous donation. All right, well, this is going to be a treat. So, uh, you know, get your cup of coffee or your tea or whatever it is that you're drinking and sit back and uh, listen to this girl because God is really moving in her life. This is Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. 
Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. Hi, this is Sandy Rios with Sandy Rios 24-7. We are in a new venue. We are at NRB in Orlando, Florida. The place is filled with people. You hear the noise, which actually I love. I love seeing people, and boy, if you want to see them, this is the place to be. But I have sitting next to me someone who you will know. She is uh, a Grammy Award-winning songwriter, singer. She's won nine Gospel Music Association Dove Awards. She's run, been nominated for fe Best Female Vocalist, Vocalist of the Year twice. And her song of the year, Redeemer, uh, and On My Knees, have been on the charts for such a long time. So it's my privilege to introduce you to Nicole Mull. Thank you, Sandy. Hi, Nicole. So Thanks. nice to see you. Me too. The only thing that really mattered is that I love Jesus. All the rest of it is That's true. I, I totally agree. You wouldn't yeah. be sitting there if you didn't. Yeah. I wouldn't invite yeah. you, yeah. but I know this. Good. I Can I just tell you, I started my day this morning, really, my worship time was when I call on Jesus. Wow. And I just worshiped. And I'm sure that as you recorded that, you did the same. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to come back yeah. to that. Let's Absolutely. do that. So, um, Nicole, I have to say, before we start talking, that my history is the last uh, many 20 years has been news and politics and television that's not like this. Not, I'm not, haven't operated in the Christian realm, although I work for the American Family Association and that's, yeah, very Christian, but I do the politics side. Love it. Love uh, that as well. But before that, I was a Christian artist. I had a number four song in the charts and blah, blah, blah. And you can still sing because I heard I, I, you before well, we started. You can still but sing. But I'm not yes. going to be singing anytime yeah, soon. Yeah. I only tell you that uh, because now you have to know that because I've been in the other world, this world is all foreign to me yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if I were to talk with knowledge, it would be about things that happened 25 years ago, you know. Yeah. So so have patience with me. No, and if me I don't as well. Know everything, me as well. And I won't ask yeah. you about politics if you don't ask me about it. I'm very good. Got you. <laughs> All right. Okay. But we can talk politics if you want. We you can't know, talk about that? All right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, a couple, well, let's go back to the when I call on Jesus. When you say, when I call on Jesus, all things are possible. Uh, I love that song, and um, you have to tell me about it. I'm sure you've told this story a million times, but I have fresh ears, so, and my audience has fresh ears, so Good. what brought you to writing that song? What was happening? Well, I was actually in the midst of a night season, um, relationally, and I remember I was sitting on the plane one day, and I was looking out the window, and I was kind of thinking about Clark Kent, you know, Superman. <laughs> So spiritual. Oh, well, that, yes, you know, okay. And I thought I that here you have this guy who is nerdy on his own, you know, and back in our day, you know, he went to the phone booth. I don't know what he does now, but I know he would, you know, yeah, he would go in the phone booth. I think he died, but. Yeah, <laughs> me. But yeah, and then he went in there, but he was nerdy, but then when he would come out, all of a sudden he would come out with his S on his chest and yes. he was stronger than life. And I thought the same is true with us as people of God. On our own, we're ordinary, we're peculiar, we're broken, we're vulnerable to what happens around us. But something happens when we call upon the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, all of our impossibilities, they become possible. And I thought, I remembered even myself as a little girl, as a, you know, eight-year-old who gave her heart to God out of a bed, you know. Here I was, very shy, fast talker, still am, stutterer, <laughs> thumb sucker, bed wetter. You know, here I was, thank God I don't want the bed anymore. Just saying. But, I'm but, glad to catch that. I know, y'all caught We're breaking that. news on Thank you, Lord moment. Jesus. <laughs> but there I was, and I gave him my life. I called upon him, 
and he made an exchange with me. And so, you know, he gave me his life for my little life. He gave me a future for my past. He gave me hope for my hopelessness. And so anyway, fast forward to the day I was sitting on the plane, just thinking about, you know, that whole scenario. You know, I, I began to write, you know, I'm so very ordinary, nothing special on my own. Oh, I've never walked on water, and I've never caught a storm. Sometimes I'm hiding away from the madness around me, like a child who's afraid of. But when I call on Jesus, all things are possible. Yes, I can mount on wings like eagles and so. I know you can sing the rest better than me. No, but but, but a song like was born, you know. Yes, yes. In the yes. midst of my night season, in the midst of me going through heartache, in the midst of me needing to call on the Lord and Him showing up, you know, He began to give me what I consider what I call another song of the night. You know, I someone told me once, and I think it's true that who God will use much must suffer much. And um, and then out of that suffering, when you know you, there's nothing but Him, comes this incredible stuff for the Holy Spirit, which is what you're describing. Absolutely. Things that you know, if you sat down with a paper and pen and you said, I, I'm going to write a profound song that's going to be heard by me. It's, no, 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 yeah. Well, some people do that, actually. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think, yeah. I think it doesn't that, work like that for me, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't think it really yeah. works for them yeah. either. Yeah. I think the... A song has an anointing. I do. Yeah. I really do. Not every song has it. Yeah. And that song is beautiful. Thank you. I want to ask you about another one because I can't. Here I am doing the music thing. I was going to talk to you about other things. But um, the book, that, the book, uh, the song that you wrote, Redeemer, which yes. is now 20 years. Uh, 20 plus. Can 20 you believe it? plus years. 20 plus years. All right. I know my Redeemer lives yeah. based on Job 38. I just want to tell you a story that I want to hear your story. Okay. I was uh, in many my many lives. I've had a lot of lives. Yeah, I used to be a choral conductor, and I was on tour with my choir. Wow. And at home, I had a lot of trouble. Yeah. I left behind a lot of trouble. Yep, same here. A sick baby and a, um, a, a not a not a great marriage. Yep. And so mm -hmm. I got on the bus with those girls. They were college girls, and I. For first thing, I slept for hours, and then I started reading in Job. Mm -hmm. When I came to Job 38 and Job the rest of it, I know that my Redeemer lives. I just, it, it really, I'll never forget it, Nicole. So yeah. now, your story, why did you write that? What was that wow. thing that happened to you? Wow, because part of it, you get it. Um, I had grown up, like I said, in, the Christian, in a Christian family, gave my heart to the Lord at the age of eight, Went to Bible school at 17, found myself in an abusive marriage at the age of 20, where I was physically abused for three years, got out of that, had a chip on my shoulder with God. I was grateful, but I thought, well, I trust you in every area of my life except relationships. I didn't say it, but I thought it. Yeah. So, and I thought the next one's on me. Before I knew it, I was in another relationship. He didn't beat me, but we were compromising. And before I knew it, I had an unplanned pregnancy. Here I am, a church girl. I'm singing background for different people. I'm on tour and all that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? 
Well, we think sometimes two wrongs will make a right, but they don't. So we got married, but still two wrongs don't make a right. And so, um, and not that that's not ever the thing to do. It just wasn't anyway. So we get married and within the first year, I found out that there were other people in our relationship. Um, and that continued for the next 21 years. We went to counseling, we prayed, we had, went to pastors, um, I fasted, I hoped, I was staying, I wanted to make it work. I didn't want to be a single mom, you know, I didn't want to be divorced again. I was in a faith community. And so, um, but in the midst of this, and, and the Lord, you know, things worked out, and I'll tell you about that in a minute, but in the midst of this 21 year period of time, of me coming from being physically broken and battered to now mentally and emotionally, I felt, is where actually Christ stepped in to save my day. It was ironic because the more abusive the other one became, the more gentle I saw Christ, the more unfaithful this one was, the more faithfulness I saw in Jesus, the more attractive he became. And so during this season, he began to sing over me and sing through me, and he began to give me songs. That's where in that season he gave me, I get on my knees, and there I am before the love that changes me. I don't know how, but there's power when I'm on my knees. And so one day I was sitting in my little music room and I was reading the book of Job. And here, you know, at the beginning, and you know this, you have this conversation with God and the devil. I didn't know that that happened. And God was asking the devil if he had ever considered his servant Job. And so he's pretty much baiting him. And then the devil's like, yeah, but Job only worships you because you've given him all this stuff. He has an easy life. And so he pretty much said, well, you know, hey, lift, his, lift your hedge and let me strike him basically. And he's gonna curse you to your face. Long story short, all 10 of his kids are killed in one day. His wealth is gone. Eventually his health is gone. In the midst of it, Job doesn't have answers. And so I love, like you said, chapter 38, but 38 is where God comes on the scene and God's like, can you do what I can do? I was like, okay. But when you get to that 19th chapter, which is right smack dab between one and that 38, it's right in the middle, chapter 19, verse 25, is where Job is saying like, basically, I don't know what's going on, but I do know that my Redeemer lives. And in the last day, he's gonna stand upon the earth. And though my body be destroyed in my flesh, I'm gonna see God. And after reading that, I was reading that and I was like, wow, Sandy, if Job can go through all that he's gone through and still worship God, not at the end of it, because it's easy to get to the end of something and God brings us through and we go, oh Lord, I thank you. But I think the real test is what will we say about God when our hearts are broken? What will we say about God when we feel like we've been shattered? What will we say about God when we're hard pressed, you know? Will we say he is good or will we say this is the, the end of my praise for you? Or will we make it an altar? And so that day after reading that, I decided I was going to make my pain an altar that I was still going to worship God on. And so I began writing this song, I Know My Redeemer Lives. I began to sing what Job had said. And it became my comfort song. And I, the first verse came really easily. The second verse took about a whole year to finish in the bridge. But in the meantime, I would sit on my bed in the place of pain for me, and I would begin to play on my little guitar badly, girl. I play badly, but I played. <laughs> and I would play and I would sing, and I would just say, you know, I was gonna hope against hope. I mean, God hadn't put all my pieces together yet at that time. You know, I still was in the same marriage, you know. But I was gonna declare who he was because he was still good. And um, long story short, eventually it fell apart after 21 years and God gave me three beautiful children from it. So they are my bonuses. And after six years of being a single mom, 
God brought the right man into my life, the right kinsman redeemer into my life. And he loves me like the Lord loves me. You know, he, he reminds me of my dad. He, you know, he's not my daddy, but he reminds me of he's, he's a beautiful man. He's six feet, seven inches. Looks like Idris Elba. You know, he's like, people stop him. To, Can you model for me and all this? But he's a beautiful man inside and out. So the Lord has redeemed. So kind of a job experience, and I can relate to many of those things. Yeah. But this is your interview, not but no, mine. No, but this is, yeah, but you get <laughs> You know it. what? You said something very important, though. Um, this is what I learned also, and I think I want to restate it. We don't serve God because he gives us things, because life is good, because we've made money, we're prosperous, uh, we're not sick. I, I really reject the whole notion that that is the only sign of God's blessing. Yeah. I just reject yeah. it. Because the true test of faith is Job's, what you were just describing, yeah. is trusting him in the middle, no matter what. No matter what, trusting him. Sandy, no matter uh, you, what. Though he slay me, yes, yes well, I, I trust, trust him, him, and I've had to say yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. So that's real faith. Yeah. And I'm so glad to hear you say yeah. that. I am. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go back to the yeah. to the shallow stuff. All right, it's all good. <laughs> right, okay. You. It was real fun to read that you were saying background for Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith. Yeah. CC Wine and, and the Newsboys. Okay, so was separate iterations? Did you travel with them in separate iterations? Or I did. did you do background in the studio or what did you do? Well, great question. Well, I started off when I came to Nashville because I was coming out of an abusive relationship. I was living in Dallas. The record company sent me to Nashville for uh, GMA week. Right. And, um, and so there I met this guy who, anyway, he was an artist. Long story short, from him, or from his rehearsal, I met one of Amy Grant's guitar players. And he said, hey, would you be interested in going on tour with Amy? And I had grown up listening to Amy, you know, so I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah right, you know? Yeah, yeah. And before it's I like knew, me interviewing Nicole Mullen when I had oh, been whatever, in music. Whatever. No, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same, but different here. She's this big star, and yeah. you, you're like, oh, who's that? Yeah, 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 no, yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah, your music. Yeah, no. yeah. And I loved Amy, so I grew up even as a kid listening to her. But I was like, there's no chance in the world I'd get to go on a tour with, you know, with her, especially in the midst of one of my night seasons. You know, I was running for my life during the season. I was thinking he's going to find me and kill me, you know. And so in the midst of this, before I knew it, the best, the worst of times became the best of times. God allowed me to get on that tour. And um, they were gracious to me. Amy was very kind. Her people were very kind. They shielded me. They protected me. We went on a 100-city tour throughout the United States. We did Europe. And uh, then uh, after that, I went on tour with uh, the Newsboys. And uh, I was a news girl for a little bit. And then after that, I went on tour. You were a news girl. Exactly. And after that, I went on tour with Michael W. Smith, who um, has been a big brother to me all these years. And um, I was on tour with him on and off for several years. And in 19, I want to say 99, I wrote, I started writing Redeemer in 97, finished it in 98. In 99, I was on tour with Michael, and he was the one who introduced it to the world. He allowed me in the middle of his set, he gave me an opening slot to open up for him, but in the middle of his set, he reserved Redeemer, and he said, I want you to come out to share my audience. Oh, wow. And they were there by then, and so he started playing the piano for me. I sang it, and it was the introduction to the world. And then the year later, in 2000, it came out you know, on the radio. So um, it's been the Lord, and, and the book, Oh, Pretty yeah, much, yeah. It, it, it has the back story of what was Where's going the on. Is this the, so. is this the camera? <laughs> yes. See, so, I have to. See, there's a like, camera. <laughs> there's a camera. But it has, yeah, yeah, and all these stories and more are oh. in the book. But it's really the behind the scenes 
of what the Lord has done because it is personal, as you had asked me. The Redeemer is not just a fictional character. He is real, and He really like invades our lives when we allow Him yes. to. Yes, yes and yes. All right, one last thing I want to ask okay. you about, because I just because I want people to know about this. You did a project with Kathy Lee Gifford yes. recently, and that's, is that pretty recent? Um, 2019. Okay, 2019. Yes. You guys went to Israel, and uh, so just tell us a little bit about that, because you can... Uh, what's the uh, the website? I'm looking. I'm the God I'm looking. Who Sees, I think, dot com. People the, can go there. The, the God, God Who Sees dot com. Yeah. All right, so. Or dot org, I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, it's we'll figure good. that out. It's all good, yeah. All right, so, so tell us what that was all about briefly, if you can. Okay. Um, Kathy and I got together. We wrote a song. We only knew of each other. We didn't know each other yet. Um, we wrote a song based off of Hagar's life. Can I stop you just a second? Please. Can I please tell you that I knew Kathy Lee? When she was uh, before she did name that tune. Wow. That was that that yeah. But she didn't she didn't know. But I was in California, wow. and she was just great talent. You know, yeah. she was a Christian artist at the time. I remember. I remember. And then she got discovered, the and yeah. she went on name that tune, which nobody listening to this what? remembers that. I do. But I remember right. the young Kathy Lee Gifford. So now yeah. she's uh, been a big star for a long time, a great musician, but now known more yes. for her Regis and. Uh, Kathy, Kathy and today's show. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, sweetheart. She's yes. a sweetheart. Yes, she's she a late. Matter of fact, she did the forward for my book. Oh, she did. She oh, did. Cool. Yes, and she's great. a sweetheart. Um, she's a sister of mine. But we wrote the song together, and um, we were going to pitch it to someone else, to Danny Goki. By the end of the song, she was like, Nicole, I think you ought to sing it. I said, I don't do this type of a song. That's not me. She's like, No, I really think. And so we did the push and pull. Uh, long story short, she won. I got into the studio and I recorded it as a demo initially, and um, the Holy Spirit began to speak, and he began to sing. And uh, after the song was over, she said, I know what we're gonna do. The Lord wants us to go to Israel and record a music film for it. It's an 11 minute song. So she invested a half a million dollars of her own money from her book sales that she had put aside um, for the work of the ministry. She invested it into the 11 minute video in Israel um, over a five-day shoot, and it turned out it's it's beautiful. So people can go and see it on um, YouTube uh, so, under the, the God Who Sees or the God Who Sees dot com. I yes. found it. Yes. The God Who Sees dot com. Okay. So yes. that's that's another project. All right, one last question for okay. you. You've written a lot of songs, and I know this as a former artist a hundred years ago. That a lot of the things that you love never make it big, like the songs that you don't expect often become the hits. Yes. I don't know if that's been your yeah, experience, yeah. but is there a song that you've uh, written or that you love that you were surprised that you just never quite? Yeah, there are several. One is probably Come Unto Me. People like it. It's one of their favorites, but as far as what the industry has made yes, a favorite is sometimes a little different. Yeah, people have to understand that the industry kind of chooses what they're yeah, going to promote. Exactly. And so you can't necessarily, this is my favorite song, please promote it. Yes. It doesn't work that and way. I, and I love that other people love the other songs too, but I think Come Unto Me is definitely one of those songs that I feel like still speaks yeah. in the midst of our culture. And it is timeless, not because I wrote it, but because it's the word of God. Nicole, let's come back to this, and then this really is the last question. Um, you're talking to people who are, they listen to me, and they hear about the World Economic Forum. They hear about uh, China's infiltration and the dangers. Thank you. Uh, they hear about Ukraine. They hear about all these bad things. Mm -hmm. They hear about what's happening in the nation's capital and the, at the highest leadership. And they're they're in despair. They're, a lot yeah. of, most of them that listen to me now are Christians. Mm -hmm. um, and you are very um, knowledgeable 
you, in fact, you call yourself the Bible nerd, which yes. I love because I, my life is based on having taught God's word. That's otherwise, how could we do this? Absolutely. Yeah. So, what would you say to those people who are steeped in what's happening? They're responsible. They're trying to do what they can, and they're getting discouraged. What would you say? Wow. First of all, thank you for what you do. Thank you for shining a light on even deeds of darkness, on governmental issues of things that we need to be aware of. Thank you for sounding the alarm when the alarm needs to be sounded, you know what I'm saying? So thank you very much for that. Um, even in the midst of it though, I think for us as believers, we've always have, we always have to keep our eyes set on the Lord. You know, for the joy set before us, Jesus was able to endure even the cross. So for the joy set before us, we can endure governments going up, risings, the falling, we can endure what is to come. We can endure the pains and the trials of today and of tomorrow because of Christ. And so at the end of the day, we have to remember that we are fighting not for victory, but from victory because we win. Ultimately, we win. And so because we win, we can live as if we've already won because we have. And so for me, I think that uh, it keeps my, my hope alive. You know what I'm saying? It allows me to have the patience and the endurance to get through even a lot of the nonsense that sometimes it's just, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's all nonsense, right? Yeah, now, it, 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 yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And then it allows me to have the courage to speak out against the, the deeds of darkness and to speak up on the unrighteousness and to, and to promote it, you know. And so, um, you know, for those who are like, you know, maybe like, I don't know what to do or I'm feeling hopeless because of it. Really, I know it sounds cliche. Put your hope and your trust in Jesus, period. He won't fail you. Even if what we believe the worst may be, my life is expired, happens to us, for us, it's still gain. For us, it's still a win. And so we live from victory, not fighting for it. Yeah. No wonder God wanted me to interview you, Nicole. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, this has been Nicole Mullen. What a treat. And you've been listening to Sandy Rios 24-7. Who taught the sun where to stand in the morning? And who told the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till leave? Sandy Rios with you. I hate to interrupt that. So beautiful. One of my favorites that Nicole moaned. And I want you to hear it since we just talked about it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And of course, Nicole's story about her own life and uh, the baby that uh, she uh, thought about, or she wasn't sure what to do when she found that pregnancy makes me think, of course, of our partnership with Preborn, where they help women like a young Nicole Mullen uh, trying to figure out what to do, what to do with this baby.
And what they do, of course, is bring them into their clinics or their other clinics that they partner with. Uh, they take up an ultrasound, and you can see your little baby. Uh, and when you see that, you just, generally speaking, cannot terminate. It takes a very hard heart uh, to uh, go ahead with an abortion after seeing that little baby. Uh, but that's what we're doing, and we're saving a lot of lives. So is preborn, and so are you by your generous donation. Just go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Uh, $28 pays for one ultrasound, and you know that your money will be well spent. And by the way, if you'd like to call us, you have a question or a comment, uh, you can call us at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or you can write us at sandy at afr.net. Well, I want to uh, share with you something else, because when I was at National Religious Broadcasters, I also interviewed a thing that just blew my socks off. It it was, uh, how many times have we heard about Christians losing their jobs because, well, I think of airline uh, attendants for Southwest who've been punished because they well, shared pro-life sentiments on their personal Facebook page. I've heard about uh, teachers. How many now have we seen removed from their positions because they won't use what's considered the right pronouns for their students? And on and on it goes. There are so many reasons why it's getting more and more difficult uh, to live your faith in the workplace. Well, Red Balloon has sprung up out of all of this as a way for people with values, specifically Christian values, uh, to find work uh, or to manage their lives after they come into a situation like this. This is pretty amazing stuff. So stay tuned as we, you know, look into Red Balloon. All right, Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. You know, I uh, one thing that has really been disturbing in our culture, and I know all of you know about this, but uh, for instance, I have a very dear friend whose daughter is a Southwest Airlines attendant, and she was brought up before the board because she texted something or posted something to Facebook that indicated that she was pro-life. And she had to fight and go through, she had to step down from her position and go through retraining, uh, lots of things. Actually, she stood her ground. Uh, and she's still in process, but who who would have thought uh, on her private Facebook page that she would be punished? And then I think of the number of teachers that have been uh, fired from their jobs or suspended or uh, taken out of the classroom immediately because they didn't use the proper pronouns or because they resisted uh, cancel culture. Professors, the same way. We're living in a very, very crazy, scary time. And I have to say, if you haven't figured it out, uh, yet, each and every one of us will be at target at some point because when a, a leftist movement like this jumps in to control people's thoughts and what's uh, what can be said and what can't, the future is very, very bleak. Well, out of this comes, well, from my perspective, I guess our next guest will have to tell me what his thoughts are, but I want to read this. This is part of what I read as kind of their mission state statement. It says this, There's a growing marketplace of those who are tired of workplace politics, and tired of the senseless rules and mandates that violate their faith or compromise their values. This is a movement of hometown Americans who work hard, bring value to their workplace, and foster a winning company culture. 
And uh, this is the, I think, mission statement, at least part of it, for a, a new organization, new to me, called Red Balloon. And Red Balloon is also a sponsor of the National Religious Broadcasters, and I think for good reason. Uh, and Andrew Krapashevs sits across from me. He's the CEO of Red Balloon. Thanks for joining me, Andrew. Thanks for having me, Sandy. All right, so now that I gave that introduction, tell people what it is you do. What then I'm going to ask you why you do it. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, so we are a job board, but we're the nation's leading non-woke job board. So if you just want to get a job where you can be free, where you're working for a company that allows you to just live your values out loud, that's really what redballoon.work is all about. And we've found that um, we are only 18 months old. And we have over 3,000 businesses have signed up. We have over a million job seekers have joined the movement to just be free at work, right? Because you have no idea what an impact it has on your life when you are living in kind of the woke work environment where you're going through your DEI training and your pronouns and your CRT training. Um, it really has an impact on every aspect of your life. And so if we can help people be free at work, we think, feel like they're going to be free in every other aspect of their life. You know, um, going back, let's see, at least 10 years, maybe 15. I, I lived in, uh, was living in Washington, D.C. Anyway, I lived there a lot. So good friend at the Justice Department working who had been started there in the Reagan administration, at least in various aspects, was at work in the Justice Department under Barack Obama. Not that we have to make this political. We don't. It's just that's the way it is. It's who it was. Yep. And so during that time, um, my friend who was had a high-ranking position, uh, they got a memo that he sent to me. And it said, um, you may not be silent. This is so, so quaint now about homosexual relationships and homo, homosexual uh, weddings or not weddings at that time yet. But relationships. Yeah. And if there's a, a pregnancy or a, they have, if there's a baby adoption, uh, you may not stay silent. We expect you to participate in showers in the office. And, right. Uh, and it says, and um, please know that uh, when you're at the water cooler, we're listening. This is a memo that went out to attorneys in the Justice Department. Right. Yeah. So you can, I just tell that story to, to remind people of how horrible it is now really to be a Christian and work in so many of these companies because they've all be all yeah lots of them have really moved to the left and we won't go into all the CEI we could but we will just say they have they have what kind of stories are you hearing well this is what so the reason I started redballoon.work is two years ago I was the CEO of a fairly large tech company that I'd started um, and it was you know 50 million dollar business um, creating a lot of profits. It was growing quickly. And my board decided that I was a little too conservative and Christian for their liking. They wanted me to start making statements about social issues, whether it was BLM or George Floyd or COVID or the government's response to COVID or um, homosexuality or abortion. They're like, we need you to make these statements. And I said, that goes against my belief system, goes against my faith. And so I'm not willing to do that. I want to just do my job as a CEO and what run a, a company. Thought. Right, exactly. So um, so that was two years ago, and I was removed from this position of a company that I'd helped start, but I'd sold it enough times that I didn't have any ownership anymore. So my wife and I were like, okay, now what are we going to do? Um, I was doing a housing development. I was doing a bunch of other things, but I thought, man, if this happened to me, I bet it's going to happen to a lot of other Americans where they're going to have to make a decision between their job and their values. And that is just wrong, and it, it causes you to compromise. And I thought, for conservatives, for Christians, if we get canceled from Facebook or from Twitter 
or from one of those things, we kind of shrug it off. It's not that big a deal. But if you get canceled from your job, your ability to feed your kids, to pay your mortgage, you are going to be far more tempted to compromise and do something that you think is out uh, outside of what you should be doing. And so I started kind of going on a listening tour around the country and talking to people, be like, okay, so how is it working at Microsoft? And heard from a lady who said, you know, I put up an American flag as my background for Teams, you know, the kind of video call software. And HR department called me up and said, just so you know, that is triggering to our employees because it's a sign of white supremacy. So you may not have an American flag up on your background. Uh, Talked to a lady at Deloitte. She had just gone through her two-hour DEI training where she was told she was a racist, basically for two hours straight. She says very Diversity, demor- equity, inclusion yeah, yeah. for Diversity, people that don't inclusion. know what that means. Yep. And so she was basically said, you're a racist for two hours. She says, very demoralizing. Everybody's just feeling this. And then the trainer gets up and says, you know, I wish all those unvaccinated people would go to an island and die together. And she's like, regardless of where you stand on the vaccine issue, that's an American saying that to another American in a corporate world. And so, but here's what's kind of cool. This gal was telling me, she said she, she's like, you know what? I don't know that I like this job anyway that much. So it's probably my moment. So she raised her hand and said, you know, I'm probably never going to get the vaccine. And she said the whole room's dead silent, <laughs> right? Because everyone just assumed that and everyone agrees. Everyone agrees, right? And so she said it was like 10 seconds of just, you could cut the silence with a knife. And then she said two other people raised their hand and said, yeah, I'm not going to either. And I think the lesson for Americans and for Christians is when you're brave, you give courage to other people. Right. And so so many of us Christians have kind of kept our head down in the workplace. Um, We have just been kind of get along to, you know, go along to get along. And I think it's a moment where you don't have to be shrill like the left has been. You don't have to try and push your worldview. Just hold the line on what you believe. And when you do that, you would be surprised how many people agree with you, and your courage is going to be courageous. It's going to be infectious in the workplace. And so that's what redballoon.work is. We, we want to be a movement of people who want to be free at work, who want to live their values out loud. Um, we're helping employers. You know, I have employers call me and say, um, every employee I hire through Red Balloon is cleansing to our culture because they're just a hardworking conservative who shows up and does their job. And then I've gotten so many thank you notes uh, from um, perfect strangers. Uh, there was a lady in Dallas who wrote me and she said, I just wanted to let you know you saved my marriage because my husband's been working at a job for 10 years that they hated his worldview. They really were trying to oppress him with this woke ideology. And you can't help but bring that stuff home. And she says, we really weren't in great shape. He found a new job through redballoon.work. She says, if I was there in Idaho, I'd give you a big bear hug because <laughs> it's changed our family. We're now in a position where our marriage is stronger. Our kids are squared away. We're going to church more because we're not. he's not bringing that stuff home from the workplace. And so if you're stuck in or you feel like you're stuck in a woke job, um, there are opportunities out there. And it will have a huge impact on your family, on your outlook, yeah. on your just your your outlook on life and so that's why we're doing it um, we feel like it's a it's an opportunity to help americans be free now you've been at this for 18 months you said 18 months so how how did you go about finding businesses uh how did you do that to make, yeah. to make it know what you were doing and that you were going to prov- try to provide workers that would yeah well it's actually kind I'm of a not funny sure what story. your promise was what yeah, your wording was. right yeah. well it's it, it was kind of a funny story because basically um, when I left the other business, it was pretty hard. My wife actually wrote a, an article oh, in sure. The Federalist. You know, I'd, I'd spent 20 years building a strong culture, 
um, people I loved. I started a number of businesses over the years, but that was one that I you really... You were in Silicon Valley, right? I grew up in Silicon Valley, but this was up in Idaho. Okay. Um, and and so I'm building this business, very painful process, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to kind of create a job board with a thesis around freedom, but I'm really going to take a year off and play golf and work on my housing development. <laughs> And then I get this call from Fox and Friends, <laughs> and they said, hey, we heard that you have the nation's leading job board for businesses that don't have a vaccine mandate. And I'm like, uh, sure, it's three weeks old. Sounds like a good plan. So, <laughs> um, and, and the thing on the vaccines, we're like, look, um, everybody should be able to make their own decisions on that. But you should have a conversation with your doctor, not your HR department, about what you put in your body. Doesn't seem that um, rocket scientist, but there it is. So. Anyway, so I'm on Fox and Friends, and all of a sudden we had 100 new customers posting their jobs. <laughs> and, and, then, um, and then I ended up, so I've done about 300 media interviews over the last year on amazing shows like yours, where I've been able to talk about freedom in the workplace. And the last company I ran was the nation's leading labor market data company. And so just understanding, like, a job is such an important part of who a person is. It's their vocation. It's what they spend most of their waking hours doing. And if we can have people in good jobs where they can be free and support their families, it will have a huge impact on this country. Well, everyone knows that it's like a joke. They make sitcoms out of this. You have a bad boss. How right. miserable your life is. And if you have a really bad employee, if, you, if you're oh, a boss yes, and you, can't and get you rid of them. Yes. hire a woke tard, and I just said that, but a woke tard, you hire someone who is pushing a political agenda in the office, it makes your life really, really miserable. And so Red Balloon's going to shield employers from that because we're only going to bring you great people who are going to be a fit for your culture and help build your business. All right, maybe you don't want to say much about this, so I don't want to press you too much, but I'm going to ask again. Yeah. Like, what kinds of businesses, and yeah. are, can you give me an example? Or you probably should. Oh, yeah. Maybe you shouldn't name them. I don't know. I don't want to. No, they're all out there. stop this momentum at Yeah, all. no, they're all out there, and that's the thing is, so because they're job postings, they're all publicly available, and all these businesses are aligning themselves. And so, like one example, Gavin DeBecker & Associates is one of the largest most prestigious private security companies in the world. So they take care of billionaires and movie stars. And uh, I was talking to Gavin and he said, look, uh, he says, most of my customers will think I'm crazy to align myself with a brand like Red Balloon. Uh, I said, well, we have anonymous balloon if you're concerned about that. He says, I, I know that, but I think it's a moment when we've been keeping our heads down too long and I want to hire people. And he went on to say that everyone that he's been hiring through Red Balloon has been cleansing to his culture. They're the type of people that just show up and work hard. But we have Loud Earth Crowder. We do all of their hiring. Children, oh, that's Children's cool. Health Defense. That's cool. Moms for oh, America. My, okay, well, wing it. Hold on a second. Ch uh, Children's Health Defense is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Correct. Yes. Who has done an incredible, jo uh, incredible job of exposing Dr. Fauci and the lies yes. regarding COVID. Uh, so that's an interesting, very yeah. interesting connection for you. And Strive Financial, which is yeah. Vivek Ramaswamy's company. Oh, cool. Uh, we're working with them. So we're actually, and of course, um, Donald Trump Jr. made a small investment in Red Balloon and has helped in pushing this. And the reason he got involved is he said, look, um, a vocation is such an important part of who a person is. And we think that we can redeem the world of work. And that is something that is strategic for the company or for the, for the country. And so he just feels like people who are free at work are going to be free at home, they're going to be free in their community, and they're going to be free at the polls. So that's what we're pushing on. So, yeah, we have a lot of really cool people who are involved. Um, the list of businesses is kind of the who's who of people. Um, and if you want to go work for those businesses, redballoon.work is the place to go find those jobs. Redballoon.work. 
work. And well, how did you get dot work? You know, yeah, I did dot work <laughs> because dot com sounded too much like communist no, to me. <laughs> okay, I'm with you on that. <laughs> and so I thought dot work because work no, is actually cool. good for your soul. And so yeah. red balloon dot work um, is a is a place where you can you know find like minded people and have a fulfilling career with a serious company. You know, I talked to a really good economist recently. And uh, we talked about hor- how horrible the economy is and all the disasters that are, you know, going to befall us. Yep. Uh, and I, I asked him basically, how can people prepare? And he said, get a job. Yes. Work. If yes. you want to protect yourself, you're, you're building up um, retirement. You're building yep. up uh, just money in your bank because when things go badly, you're going to wish you had some uh, something as a backlog, you know, so go to work. It was just interesting to hear him say that was his solution. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, you need to know that if you're working for a woke business, they are making more money on your labor than they are paying you. Of course they are. That's how business works, right? And so if you can go find a job with a company that actually shares your worldview and help further their cause, even if it's, you know, True Play Games out of Austin, Texas, they make Christian video games, they're posting jobs on Red Balloon. So if you're stuck at a big woke tech company, there are fantastic six-figure jobs on Red Balloon that you can go and you can still be a supporter for your family, but you can also be free. And it really is going to make a difference. That's so cool. Redballoon.work. I one, one last thing. Yeah. Because I just have to say this. I was just watching the news recently. Um, and of course, uh, Bud Light. Bud Light stepped out to yes. have a transgender, you know, prom- Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan yes. Mulvaney. Yes. So I just read a headline that said they're kind of reeling from the fact that customers are not coming back. That's right. This like protest has just keeps lasting. You know, it's like they're gone. I think Fox is maybe experiencing that too. Yeah. But uh, and also Target now has. Uh, you know, introduced uh, women uh, wear for transgender persons. They have a whole section, and people are just saying, "Whoa, that's too much." Right, that's and too that's much. the thing is, we can vote. Um, a lot of people say you have, you know, that you have the first vote is at the polls. The second vote is where you spend your money, and that's Target and Anheuser Busch. And your third vote is where you work. Um, if you're working for someone who shares your worldview, it is deeply satisfying. There's so much more joy in that type of work than helping push a cause forward that you don't feel comfortable with. So if you're stuck at Google or Amazon or Facebook or any of those companies or Target, look for a new job. It's an opportunity to support your family and be free. Um, and if a million people do that, just think what that does for this country. Wow, Andrew, that's just what a great vision. I mean, what a great vision. I do think God has called you to this. Thank Who would have thought about it? Except for someone that had been through, you know, God doesn't waste our trouble, does he? That's right. That's yeah, right. So. Yeah. All right, redballoon.work, redballoon.work, and I'm assuming that's for people that want a job and maybe businesses that are yeah. interested, right? Yeah, employers who are okay. looking, empl- people who want to hire and people who want to work. Okay, excellent. Very good. Thank you so much, Andrew Krapischitz. Thank Thanks you for having so me, Sandy. Much. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. You know, just to give you an illustration, I think there are plenty. Uh, but this, I saw this in the LGBTQ Nation. This is the headline, Christian fired for refusing LGBTQ plus job training loses court battle. He complained that the country is against the Christian way of life. He lost. And it was a court case. Uh, the, the guy's name is Raymond Zadunsky. He's a senior account clerk who worked for seven years at a Boards of Cooperative Educational Services in Erie County, New York, and he told them, 
right away. He said, um, I don't want to attend and listen to indoctrination that is contradic- contradiction to the tenets of my faith. He said, my, my beliefs are dictated by the Holy Scripture. And he requested that the organization create a mandatory training session about anti-Christian discrimination. He goes on to say he, doesn't, he loves all people, doesn't treat people any differently, but he's not going to uh, go through that training because it contradicts his, his worldview. He was fired for un, uh, and sued them for unlawful religious discrimination, but he lost. It went over like a period of three years, lost his job, and, of course, incurred all those legal fees. That's the reality of what we're facing in this country. Uh, I know that you know that, but I just wanted to put some flesh on it for you, and that's why Red Balloon is filling an important gap in that world, uh, in that world, in our world, in many of our worlds, my world for sure. Uh, if you have a comment about what you just heard, you can call us at 662-821-2040, 662-821-2040, or you know you can write us at sandy at afr.net. What a privilege it is uh, for me to have you listen to us so faithfully. Thank you so much. This has been today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.